Thank you for that. Yeah, God is our guide. And that's, what we're, that's why we're here. We're trying to be led by Him in all the things that we do. And uh, this morning, believe it or not, we're going to bring to an end our study of the book of Romans. It's been a little while. Uh, so as we begin to reassemble, we are going to end a chapter, and that is this chapter in the study of Romans. But I want to start with a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says this, he, he writes, Those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the, the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. So Bonhoeffer's saying, you know, instead of really seeking to be a certain type of church or trying to create a certain type of church, our primary focus really needs to be uh, to love God, love people, make disciples, do what God wants us to do, and then let Jesus create His church how He wants to create it. And he's saying, you know, it's, it's more important to stay focused on what God wants us to do and, and the people of God and the mission of God than trying to, you know, focus so much on what it could be like. Uh, but at the same time, we do as a church want to become the church that God wants us to be, right? We want to be the people God wants us to be, the community that is formed by God's word, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as we begin to reassemble as the Hill Baptist Church, you know, we've been, we've been apart for a little while. And so as we reassemble, uh, you know, I, I'm anticipating as we reassemble, it's going to look a little different than it did back in March. And so the question I've been thinking through, and even as I've been studying this passage for today, is you know, what, what will it look like? What will we be as a result of reassembling after this, this virus that has come through? What, what will become of us? What will we be like? Uh, what will be true of this you know, community of believers here in Augusta? And as we begin to, like I said, reassemble, we're going to end the study of Romans, and we're going to look at Romans 16. And, and, and in this passage, I see four characteristics of what we could be as we reassemble. The first characteristic that I see in this passage is that the gospel creates a community that is relational. Now, at first glance, you're looking at this passage. I hope you got your Bibles open, and you'll see as you, as you glance at this chapter, you're going, to, you're going to realize why I didn't read it before I started preaching on it. Because uh, there are over 30 names in this chapter. And they're not names like Ron and John and Fred. You know, they're more complicated names to say. And so I'm just going to let you read those names for yourself. But what's fascinating about this chapter is there are over 30 names mentioned. And the majority of those names are people in the church in Rome. And then there are some with Paul as he's writing this letter to the Romans while he was in Corinth. And so what's fascinating about this, though, is that as Paul's writing this letter, he had never been to Rome. And so he's writing to all these people, and he's greeting this person, and this person, and this couple, and this family, and this household. He's greeting all these people. And you're thinking, well, Paul, how do you even know all these people when you've never even been to Rome? Well, most of the people he had met along the way on his missionary journeys, and he had just kept in contact with them. So you see, Paul himself was very relational. He cared about the mission of God, and he cared about people. And he was able to hold those things together so wonderfully. And then some of the people that he lists, he probably had never met, but he had heard about through other people that uh, he had met along the way. And so what is fascinating about this, though, is that 
if you read these names and you see what Paul has to say about each person, he talks about how they were fellow workers in the gospel. They were fellow prisoners. I mean, it was all about these are people that I'm connected to because of the mission of God. God has brought us together through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what I want you to see, though, is that there are people in this list that would have never been friends apart from the gospel. It just would not have happened. But you see Paul in this relationship with all these different people because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the, 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 the purpose of that is, I and mean, the reason that is, and you all know this to be true, the gospel creates a relational community. I mean, that's what it does. Because we, we learn that uh, through Christ that we can experience the love of God and therefore we're able to exercise the love of God and, and relationships develop as a result of that. You know, the church is all about relationships. It's all about, you know, relationships with, with God and relationships with one another. And, you know, recently, um, you know, we've been watching services online. And there's been some benefits to that, I'm not going to lie. I mean, you've been sitting in your pajamas, drinking coffee, watching the worship service, thinking to yourself, is there a way we can do that in the sanctuary? I mean, is there a possible... Could we just maybe continue this? <laughs> you know, some of you have enjoyed that too much. You know, and so, uh, and, and that's okay. That's okay. There's a time for that. But, but, you know, the church is more than just watching a Christian program on television. Right? The church is a community of people that are brought together because of the love of God. And we are linking arms together to accomplish the mission of God and become the people that God wants us to be. So I'm thankful for technology. Uh, you know, I was just on a Zoom call before the service doing Sunday school on Zoom with those who can't be here. And that's, that's fantastic. And that was necessary. And I'm glad we have that technology. But we all know that's not ideal. You know, we are meant to be together. The church is meant to gather. The church is more than just watching a service on a screen. On a screen because the, the gospel forms a relational community. That's what the church is. So let me challenge you with this question. I was thinking about this last chapter in Romans. And I'm thinking, okay, Paul's sitting there. He's in Corinth. He's writing this letter to the Romans. And he's just rattling off all these names. Oh, make sure you greet this person. Greet this family. Greet, oh, greet this person. And this person, wow, this person was a fellow prisoner of my, with me in, in the cause of Christ. You know, all these fantastic descriptions of these people. And I began to think, I wonder if you were to write a letter. Think about it. Think about you writing a letter to the Hill Baptist Church. Okay? You're writing a letter, and then at the very end of the letter, you're going to greet all of those that you're, you're connected to in Christ, all your friendships, your relationships in Christ. And my question is, how many people would you name? 30? 20? 10? 2? Would you be struggling? You know, I don't know if I, you know, I know their face. I know they sit on the organ side or the piano side. But do you know them? I mean, are you connected to people because of the gospel? You know, and my challenge to even those who are uh, watching online, who will watch this online, is, uh, you know, maybe you've watched this online. Uh, and maybe your next step really could be, why don't you join us in person? Because I believe you will not become the person God wants you to be without being in relationships with the people of God. 
And so I invite you, and even you all that may have you know, been coming, but you really don't know people in the church yet. I mean, get involved. Learn people's names. Get more connected because you will grow and be sharpened as we link arms together in the mission of God. So the first characteristic is that the gospel forms a relational community. We need each other. Uh, the second characteristic I see modeled in this chapter, modeled by the church in Rome, is that the gospel creates a diverse community. And at first glance, as you read through all these names, and, and that's kind of what we do, right? When we come to these passages of Scripture with just a bunch of names, we just kind of, okay, fast forward. Uh, but if you took some time and you read each name and you learned more about each person, uh, then you would see that the church in Rome was a very diverse congregation. Let me just give you some examples. Out of the over 30 names mentioned in Romans 16, eight of them are women. And probably the most prominently one mentioned is at the very beginning, Phoebe. Phoebe was a, a, a lady who was most likely delivering the letter to Rome. And she probably had business to tend to in Rome. She was a wealthy lady. And she had been funding the, the mission of God in various ways and even funding Paul's own ministry. And so she was a servant to the church, very involved in the mission of God. As you read through the names, you also see married people, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, involved in the mission of God, hosting a house church in their home. Uh, you see single people involved in the mission of God. You see Jew and Gentile involved in the church. You see those who had political power and standing in society and those who were slaves in the same church. You saw the rich and the poor. You see those in the church. You can tell by their names, by their standing, by the terms like household. Um, we see people with various skin color in the church. Like, for example, you see uh, the person, his name is Rufus. And what's interesting about Rufus, I don't want to get too much on a tangent here, but if you remember who carried Jesus' cross, Simon of Cyrene, and Mark says... By the time Mark wrote his gospel, Simon was probably uh, with the Lord. He had probably died by then. And so what Mark says in his gospel, uh, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Because Mark knows, you'll know these guys. And then Paul refers to Rufus. And Simon of Cyrene is a North African. And so you see in this passage, you have a very diverse culture, societal standing, Gender, skin color, you have all these people together in the local congregation there in Rome because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's very obvious, but the, I mean, should this really surprise us? I mean, if you know the gospel, uh, this should not surprise you at all. But I was reading the other day an article you know, that was pertaining to some of the protests that are obviously going on all around our country, uh, resulting from the murder of George Floyd. And in this article, the lieutenant, lieutenant governor of Texas, Dan Patrick, said that our only solution to racism is to accept Jesus Christ. Now, obviously, I agree with that. I mean, I think there's other things we can do because obviously everybody in the country is not going to become a Christian. So we want to you know, obviously do some things beyond just uh, waiting on everybody to become a Christian. But he made this statement. And in response to the article, the well-known atheist Richard Dawkins uh, sarcastically, he sarcastically tweeted this. He wrote, So Jesus is the solution to America's racism problem. Oh, how silly of me. I never realized. No doubt that's why thoughts and prayers have proved so effective. I should have guessed. 
You know, but in a way, I mean, you can see how Dawkins' comments are somewhat warranted here uh, because American Christianity has been on both sides of that of the race issue. And uh, you, can, you can see maybe why he would say that. But I would argue that properly understood, uh, the gospel eliminates prejudice and racism. You know, we see it in the church in Rome. We see it in Paul's teaching in Ephesians. We see it in uh, Paul's rebuke of Peter in the book of Galatians. We see it in Jesus' teaching when Jesus explains who our neighbor is through the parable of the Good Samaritan and tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so we know the gospel creates a community, one of mutual respect and equality. And so here's the thing. You know, the seed, the seed of racism cannot grow in the soil of the gospel. I mean, it cannot do it. It's impossible. It's impossible for the seed of racism and the fruit of racism to be produced in the soil of the gospel. But what is possible is the seed of prejudice and racism to take root in our sinful nature. And so when you see it, that is not the gospel. That is not Christianity. That is not Christ being shown in a life. That is the sinful nature where that seed of racism has been planted, has thrived, and now produces the fruit. And so what you need to understand, properly understood, and I would say to Dawkins, you know, and he knows this, Richard Dawkins knows this, properly understood, there is no way for the gospel to produce a position where you see one race as more valuable than the other. It's impossible. Dawkins knows that, and we all should know that. And what we see here in Romans 16, I think, is, is very encouraging because even though we've, we've seen progress even in our country uh, between white and black communities we know there's uh, we've got a ways to go um, but what, what encourages me here is when I read the list of names here in Romans 16 because what I see here in this, in this church in Romans, in Romans is that there are Jewish Christians and there are Gentile Christians And these two groups of people were at odds with one another, not for hundreds of years, but thousands of years. And yet when you read Romans 16, you see this beautiful diversity brought together in love because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because what is the gospel? I mean, we're all image bearers of God. But we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that image is corrupted. It it turns violent at times. It it is a breakdown of humanity. But God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. One Savior for all of mankind. We all come to God the same way, and that's through Christ. And we all come to Christ the same way, and that is by grace. By nothing we've done. And that is the Gospel. How can the Gospel produce anything but love and mutual respect? How can the example of Christ who became a servant and humbled Himself to the point of death, even death on the cross, so that we can have life, how can His example nurture the root of racism? It can't happen. It just cannot happen. 
And so when you see it happening, that is not the gospel. That is not the new life that is in Christ. That is the old Adam making its way through a life. And so the gospel creates a diverse community, and that is a, that is a very beautiful thing. The third characteristic that I see in this passage that uh, kind of informs what we could be, obviously we need to be relational, we need to be uh, diverse, and that the gospel for everyone. But also we need to be orthodox. And what I mean by orthodox is true to God's word. The gospel produces and creates an orthodox community. And although the household of God is very diverse, the way into the house is not diverse. It is very homogeneous. There's only one, one way. In the household of God, there's only one door, and that door is Jesus Christ. That's the way God has provided for us to enter into a relationship with Him. And so the church has to guard the gospel. We cannot be led astray to the left or to the right of the message of Jesus Christ. Because if you change the gospel, you have no gospel. And if you have no gospel, you have no church. And this is why Paul says in verses 17 through 20, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So the, for the church to be the church, you know, we have to be on guard against being led away from the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of Jesus. So the gospel creates a community that maintains the integrity of the message of Jesus. And lastly, the, the fourth characteristic that I see here is that the gospel creates a God-glorifying community. I mean, it's all about Him. I mean, when we understand the gospel, when we come to Christ, we realize it's all about God. You know, the church exists because of God, because of the love of God. The salvation that is offered to us in Christ is offered to us because of the grace of God. I mean, it all goes back to Him. Kind of like this church in Rome, we know all roads led, led to Rome. And that's why you see all these people that Paul knew kind of converging into this church and, and arriving at this church. Well, in a larger sense, all roads you know, lead to God. Everything's about Him. So everything created gives Him glory. The, the heavens declare the glory of God. And as His people, the church, we ought to glorify God as well. Paul says it this way as he brings his letter to a conclusion. In verses 25 through 27, he says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you, strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. And so Paul, he entrusts the, the church to God's care. And he says it's all about the glory of God. We're, you know, it's all about what he's done for us. It, everything points back to him. Every good thing comes from God. And so as we reassemble the church, the Hill Baptist Church even, as we locally reassemble, the question is, what will we be? What, what could we be? What will we be? Well, 
there will be some unknowns and we'll have to kind of figure those out along the way. Um, but we do know this, that the gospel creates a relational community. We need each other. We need each other. We also know the gospel creates a diverse community. You know, in Christ, uh, gender, race, status, those are all secondary issues because our primary identity is in Christ. That's what brings us together. That's what unites us. And so it creates a diverse community. The gospel creates a community that is orthodox. It's a community that stands on the truth of God's word without moving to the left or to the right. And the gospel creates a community that exists for the glory of God. And I read that and I look at this example of the church in Rome and I think, you know what? That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. And that's, and that's the kind of church the gospel shapes. And because of what Christ has done, I believe that's exactly uh, what we could be. Let us pray. Father, we are so thankful for this book, this letter to the Romans that has challenged us in so many ways. And now as we have looked at the final chapter, we've been challenged once again to be formed by your truth. To be formed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. To consider our own lives. And to consider how your word is bringing about change in our hearts, our minds, our attitudes, our actions. Lord, help, help us just by your spirit to become more of what this church was in Rome. Help us to become the church you want us to be here in Augusta. A church that is a light to this community. A proclaimer of truth. A loving community. A relational community. A diverse community. And a community that points uh, to you. That you are the giver of all good gifts. And therefore you deserve and we desire to give you honor and praise and glory. God, we are so thankful uh, for your work in our midst. We're so thankful for being able to gather today and sing and to pray and to worship you. I pray that you would be just pleased by this time and uh, that we would continue to be open to being changed by these truths. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.